Well, today, singing about the race is complete. Today, we, we complete our walk through the Songs of Ascents. And uh, they're a little out of order at the end uh, for different reasons, but um, we're going to wind up this series with 132, Psalm 132. So if you want to take a Bible and turn there, that'd be great. While you turn there, I'm going to turn the pulpit over to Pastor Jin. Uh, A week and a half ago, when it became apparent, uh, the news about the death of Nate Lee and that this would be the weekend when we would have the funeral service, became apparent that uh, it would be virtually impossible for me to preach today. And Jin very eagerly and and very joyfully has stepped in. So Jin, come on up front. You're in for a really good sermon about a really good text. God bless you, Jin. Um, I've heard I'm going to slip out to take care of a couple things, but I'll see you all a bit later on. God bless you. you. Well, now I have to lower your expectation. Um, I have been battling with tonsillitis the last couple of weeks, so if my voice gives out, uh, excuse me on that. But if you think you are, because of my tonsillitis, if you think my sermon will be shorter, you are mistaken. The full sermon, here we go. Uh, we have been studying the Psalms of Ascent, as Pastor Matt said, this year, and today Today's psalm is, in a sense, the perfect psalm to conclude our series because songs of ascent are written, and these pilgrims have sung this song as they made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to Zion. And today, in today's psalm, they kind of arrive at their ultimate home. And there's lots of exciting texts that's ahead of, ahead of us But let me begin with quoting from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his speech during the civil rights movement. When he spoke at the colleges, he would often end his speech with these remarks. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Even crawling forward is better than going backwards, he said. Speed is not the issue. By all means, keep moving ahead. When God has called us to pilgrimage, just like this psalmist, it's very hard to keep moving forward when there are so many storms of life ahead of us. Sometimes it's that one monstrous event that just knocks us out. We say, I can do this after this. Lord, I don't even have any strength to continue on. Sometimes it's just day by day, a drip by drip, mundane, ordinary events of a life that becomes extremely taxing. We feel so weak and fragile and say, God, I cannot do this. Well, if you are there, today's message is for you. Today's message's title is The Gospel Hope for Endurance. When all we feel is weakness, when we feel so fragile, how can we continue on? Where is the hope? David Paulison, a former executive of CCEF, Christian Counseling and Education Foundation, 
was supposed to deliver closing remarks of my own commencement this past month. But because he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, stage four, and at the, back in November, and at the day of graduation, he was in a hospice care that he could not deliver his address. Instead, he wrote these words, and one of his colleagues read it for us. Let me read his words. I st still remember the specific details of one of the sermons that I heard in seminary chapel. Dick Gaffin was speaking from Romans 8.26 about how the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He made a point I've never forgotten, that weakness is singular. It does not say weaknesses as if there were a finite list of sins A, B, C, and sufferings X, Y, Z in your life. Weakness, singular, is a comprehensive description of human condition. We are perishable. We are mortal. We face a multitude of afflictions in our lives. And we are sinful, bent from the heart toward pride, self-righteousness, fear of men, and a multitude of desire and fears that beset us. The mercies of God meet us in this comprehensive condition of weakness. His word deeply spoke to me, knowing that he wrote this word in his deathbed. And a few weeks after, just a couple weeks ago, June 7, 2019, he passed away. As he said, we are weak and fragile, yet today's psalm will give us the gospel hope for endurance. When we feel like we've got nothing left to keep going, there is hope. In Jesus Christ. So, today, Stonehill, will you hope with me? Will you hope? Take heart. Let's go to today's text, Psalm 132. It's Pew Bible 519. I believe you are already there. <clears throat> Let me read it for us. A song of ascent. O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision I will satisfy her poor with bread. 
her priests all clothed with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There, I'll make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared the lamb for my anointed. His enemies I'll clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. This is reading of God's word. At the verse 1, at the beginning of this psalm, psalmist is calling out to God to remember David all the hardships that he has endured. What kind of hardship is the psalmist asking God to remember for David? Sure, David went through much affliction and suffering in general in life. Just to give you one, he went through 11 assassination attempts made by King Saul. Now, I'm sure many of us are going through difficult phases of life, but I, don't, I think I'm safe in saying that I don't think any of us went through 11 assassination attempts in this life. If you have, what's wrong with you? Please go talk to Pastor of Care after the service. But in this, in this psalm in specific, what the psalmist is asking God to remember on David's behalf is in relation to how David spent so much time and effort in order to build the temple for the Lord and in order to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the temple, according to verse 3, 4, and 8. Let me read 3, 4 here. I'll not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. David vowed before the Lord, God, until I build this house for you, until I bring the Ark of the Covenant in your presence, I will not even sleep. This guy is consumed for the glory of God. He's so consumed that he's losing sleep over it. Now, today's message is gospel hope for endurance. Let me make a long story short. Does David's wildest dream come true? That he wanted to build this temple for the Lord. Does this happen? The short answer is no. If you read Chronicles, it's God tells to David, Hey, because you've shed too much blood, you're not going to be able to build a temple for me. Oh man, when we talk about the gospel hope for endurance, what an anticlimactic ending that is. Now, may I dare to tell you that the gospel hope for endurance has nothing to do with the circumstantial outcome? Where is the hope in all this? Is that remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all his affliction. Stonehill, God remembers, regardless of the outcome. There are many of us who are sitting here Perhaps looking for a career opportunity, romance. You pray before God desperately. God, give me something that I've won so much. I want to live in the will of God. And then nothing comes about. And you say, oh my gosh, all the prayers that I've prayed before the Lord. What a waste of a time. No, it is not. Regardless of outcome, God remembers. Work done unto the Lord is never vain. Parents. You spend countless hours trying to raise your children in the way of the Lord. When sometimes children do not behave or do not turn out in a way that you hope, you say, man, what was this all for? What have I done wrong? 
Stoniel, gospel hope for endurance is that God knows and God remembers all your prayers, all your hardships that you've gone through in order to build his kingdom in your children's life. When all you wanted, perhaps, is be healthy and serve the Lord freely, an unforeseen circumstance comes and everything fails that you have nothing left. This monstrous diagnosis from doctor, you say, God, where were you? I've tried to live for you. What good are you? Is this all vanity that I've tried to live for you? No, it is not. Gospel hope for endurance is that remember, O oh Lord. He does remember. Stonia, I forget. You forget. That's a good news. We all forget, but God does not forget. He remembers. Even if I forget, you forget, he remembers. That's the good news that he cares for you, that your work done unto the Lord never, ever goes in waste. Now, as David has been praying before the Lord for to bring, build this temple and to bring the Ark of the Covenant to that temple, he hears one good news, that the Ark has been found. Read 6 through 8. <clears throat> Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah, we found it in the fields of Jar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place and the ark of your might. He hears that the ark has been found at the fields of Jar. He has been enduring quite a bit for this. Now, you might ask, which I think is a fair question, I get it. David may be consumed to build a temple of God. Yes, it makes sense that he wants to build this glorious temple. But what's up with this Ark of the Covenant thing that David is losing sleep over? What's the big deal? Let me explain what the Ark of Covenant is. It's significant. Let me step down here. And let me pretend this communion table is the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant is a wooden box. I just want to explain it's about 47 inches long. I think this is about 7 feet. It's a bit shorter than this. It's about 27 inches high, 27 inches deep. And this wooden box is covered with gold. And top of this Ark of the Covenant, there's a little cover and lid. Let's say this top is the lid called Mercy Seat. And on the Mercy Seat, there are cherubims. I guess we can say these candles are the cherubims. Cherubims with wings are covering the Mercy Seat. And inside of this Ark of the Covenant, when you open it up, there's two, there are three items. Two tablets, which contains Ten Commandments, and Aaron's rod, which symbolize everything that God has done in order to bring Israelites from the bondage and slavery of Egypt, ten plagues and all that. And there was a little jar filled with manna, which allows Israelites to remember how God has provided for Israelite in the wilderness. It's a big deal. It's the living history of Israelite. But perhaps most importantly, at the mercy seat, in a sense, was a physical location where God forgave people to sit. Sins. Priests would sprinkle the sacrifice of blood at this mercy seat, mercy seat in order to atone for people's sin, in order to go before the Lord for our sins and all. This Ark of the Covenant would go first in the battle. This was the presence of God. This was the redemption, history, everything is in this Ark thing that David has been captured 
by this Ark of the Covenant, and he has found it in the fields of Jar, what happened then? See, even this Ark of Covenant has been extremely significant to Israelites. It was lost. At the battle, Philistine captures these pagans, capture this Ark of the Covenant, and they treat that as if the Ark of the Covenant is the war trophy. So they displayed and all that. Of course, that's not going to go well. So Philistine just returned to Israelite, and it had been left in the fields of Jar for 20 years. And now Israelites captured it, and they say, let us worship at his footstool. Verse 7, great worship service begins to burst. Arise, O Lord. Arise, O Lord, is the invocation whenever the ark has been opened in the days of Moses. And he says, let us go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. See, resting place is a term distinctive to this psalm as a designation for Zion, the destination of our hope, what we've been enduring for, the destination of our journey, where we are journeying to as pilgrim, the fulfillment of our hope, resting place. Go, Lord, and we are marching to that Zion. In a 2015 movie called Mad Max, uh, this movie's taken place in post-apocalypse setting, in a desert, and these people, main characters, live under tyrannical regime, oppressors. So they leave this oppressor and go to this place where one of the main characters came from called the Green Place. There's water, there's plants, there's tree and life. So they are making their journey to this green place, the promised land for them. As they go, risking their lives to go, the main protagonist, Max, asked Furiosa, what are you looking for? And Furiosa just answered with one word, redemption. She's looking for redemption in this green place. When, she, when they get there, long and behold, once promised land filled with water, plants, and life, and trees has been turned into a barren land. It's uninhabitable. It's turned into a complete desert, sour land. Furiosa just screams at a loss of hope. She risked all her life to get there, days, and then to realize there is nothing, loss of hope. Max looks at her and says this, You know, hope is a mistake. If you can't fix what is broken, it will make you go insane. Stoniel, may I dare to tell you, our hope is not a mistake. Yes, we cannot fix what is broken, but in that Zion, in our promised land, where we are heading as pilgrim, Jesus will fix everything that is broken. He will wipe away every tears from our eyes. There shall be no more death, pain, or sorrow. Jesus died to secure our hope. Our hope is certainty, not a mistake. That this journey, resting place that the psalmist is referring to, is worth of our fight, worth of our journey. See, Estonia, do you know what makes Zion so great? What makes Zion the culmination of our journey, the destination of this life that we are journeying to in the pilgrimage? Oh, spoiler alert. 
There's incredible messianic promise of Jesus Christ in the following verses. Luke 9 through 12. Let your priest be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from, from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. Who is this anointed one? To whom does this throne belong? His name is Jesus. See, up to this point, psalmist has been calling out to God, God, remember David's oath, David's vow to you. Now psalmist calling out, God, remember your promise that you made to David. The promise that you've given to awaiting Messiah will come one day. Remember this word, O Lord, because this anointed one is the object of our hope, Jesus Christ. See, Estonia, you thought when we talked about gospel hope for endurance, you thought I would come here to give you five tips for your successful career and health. You found the wrong address. The only hope I can give to you today, only and the best hope is Jesus, the anointed one, awaiting one who is to come once again to abolish all the wickedness of this world. He is object of our hope. Jonathan Edwards, his first sermon was titled Christian Happiness. In this sermon, he basically gives three reasons why we can be hopeful through thick and thin of life. And one pastor basically paraphrased Jonathan Edwards' three points. It goes like this. Number one, bad things will turn out for good. Number two, good things cannot be taken away. Number three, best things are yet to come. So number one, bad things will turn out for good. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, yes, there are some joyous occasions in life. But life can be terribly difficult. There will be sorrowful events that you did not foresee. But all those you work together for our good, which means all will work together to make us more in the likeness of Jesus Christ. What a glorious calling that is. Number two, good things cannot be taken away. Jesus died on the cross to secure that hope. That cannot be taken away. Our hope cannot be taken away from Father's hand. No one will snatch us out of his hand. Our destination, eternity, is secure in him. Good things cannot be taken away. And best things are yet to come. What is this best thing that is to come? Read 13 through 18. This is our God, Yahweh, speaking. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. Listen to this. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I'll abundantly bless her provisions. I'll satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I'll clothe with salvation. And her saints will shout for joy. There I'll make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies are clothed with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. There's so much packed in this verse. 
I feel like a little kid on a Christmas morning. I've got to unpack this treasure, what is to come. So let me walk you through this verse. This is what is to come. Verse 14, God will rest with us. It means he will not just make his visit and go, but he will dwell with man forever and evermore. Verse 15, he will provide for the poor. There will be no more poor because of God's provision. All the social justice has been met. Verse 16, salvation will complete. The believers will completely delivered from dominion, the power, and even the presence of sin. The redemptive history will complete that all we know is to shout for joy. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I don't know what kind of personality you have, but God sees all the tears that you shed that no one else sees. And sometimes it's hard to just wear a great facade acting everything is okay. But on this glorious day, when we get there, there's no need for facade or anything. Because all we know is to shout for joy. Because we will be there complete and whole. Verse 17. A horn was the agricultural metaphor for power. When he came first time, he came in the form of weakness, died on the cross for our sins. When he comes back again, he will come with power and authority. And then he will rule forever and ever. Will give life to all his people. And 18, enemies will be put in shame, but on him, crown will radiate, shine forevermore. We will be co-heirs of Jesus Christ in that city, Zion, and his glory will shine forever and evermore. The shine word can also be translated as bloom or blossom. Aren't you also tired of that one besetting sin that you're continually struggling that, God, am I ever going to be over with this? I'm, God, this is Jin again. I messed up the same thing again here. That day, what God has meant to be, when I see him face to face, I will fully blossom. All that God has meant to be, I'll shine with Jesus because we are made completely and wholly in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Believer, Jesus Christ is our ultimate hope ultimate gospel hope for endurance in our journey life is hard you know better than i do some all of us know life can be difficult every year around november and december i review all my journal entries each year sometimes it's really hard to read my own journal entries because i read it and i say oh man i'm still struggling with the same thing sometimes it's very joyous Oh, wow, Lord, I have been praying for this for years, and you have answered it. Praise be to God. Sometimes it's embarrassing because it's pretty raw. All my anger and frustration are melted in my journal. There's no filter in that. So after all that, reviewing year worth of journal entry, then I come up with a year verse for the following year. This year, 2019 year verse has been framed in my office all this long. And if it happened to fit perfect as we conclude our Psalms of Ascent series, that my year verse has been Psalm 84, 5. Blessed are those whose, whose strength is found in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Stonehill, our hearts are set on pilgrimage to Zion. We are passing through. Do not lose heart. Look to Jesus for your hope and endurance 
circumstances will fail you. All the other circumstances in life will not satisfy you. That hope could be a mistake, but hope in Jesus will never, never fail you. As I end, every time I think of pilgrimage or journey, I cannot stop but to think about the Lord of the Ring. In the Lord of the Ring, Frodo Baggins and Sam Gamgee are on their pilgrimage journey to put the ring, destroy the ring at the Mount to Doom. There are so many points. They are like, this is too much. I, I can't. I'm just going to give up. Listen to this dialogue. Here is the gospel hope for endurance according to the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Frodo says this. I can't do this, Sam. Sam responds, I know. It's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here. But we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo. The ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you that meant something. Even if you're too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now folk in those stories had a latch of chances of turning back. Only they didn't. Because they were holding on to something. Stonehill, would you hold on to the gospel hope for endurance? Jesus held on to the cross, died for you in order to secure that hope. It's worth holding on. Let us keep moving forward in our pilgrimage. Let's pray. God, we acknowledge that hope is worth fighting for. Lord, hope is such a rare commodity in nowadays. So easy to fall in despair. So easy to look this darkness as if it's permanent. Oh Lord, we acknowledge that we are weak. Help us as we are on our journey like this psalmist to pilgrimage to our ultimate home in Zion. Father, help us to look to you and look to your son who was hanged for our sake to secure that gospel hope for us to hold tight onto. So God, I lift up those who are struggling, who are feeling just being drowned by one after one event in life. Would you encourage them this morning? Would you give them the gospel hope? God, we need you. Jesus Christ, we thank you. And we await eagerly for the glorious day when you make that entrance marching into that Zion. We will walk alongside with you. Come soon, dear Lord Jesus, the object of our hope. In his name we pray. Amen.